We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. How can I support them? How can I coach them? And I just, I, I want them to know, I just want to see them get 1% better every day. You know, we're not perfect, but we should be striving to be better tomorrow than we are today. And how can I give them those opportunities, you know, to shine and lead? You know, I love to be able to say yes, you know, and staff come to me, your students come to me, you know, you want to, you want to say yes, you know, you want to create that culture of, of risk-taking and support. <laughs> Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Bobby French is an educational leader, presenter, blogger, and podcaster from Massachusetts. Bobby French's career in education has spanned over 25 years. She served as an elementary guidance counselor, elementary classroom teacher, special education coordinator, early childhood coordinator, Title I director, and principal. Bobby is a lifelong learner and believes in the power of being a connected educator. She's passionate about focusing on the whole child and creating an environment where all students have a sense of belonging. She appreciates and recognizes the hard work of teachers and is committed to supporting others to be their best for kids every day. Her passion and enthusiasm for creating a positive and engaging school culture is contagious. Bobby's also an avid photographer and loves to tell her school's story. I, I have to tell you, I'm really excited about talking to Bobby today because she is my kind of leader. The idea of appreciating and recognizing teachers, we are definitely cut from the same cloth when it comes to positivity. So welcome, Bobby, and thank you for being on. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's so cool to be on a podcast with someone else from Massachusetts. Right? <laughs> hey, we have to stick <laughs> together when we're in Massachusetts. We so, do, and at least we pronounce it the same way, too. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, we may run into some problems or difficulties if we start talking about the different towns in Massachusetts, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. We'll stick to just the state for now. There you go. Look, you know, I, I just read your bio, and that does a really good job of describing who you are. But what I think people are going to be really interested in is why you do what you do. If you could help us out with that. Absolutely. And, you know, part of my bio talks about the passion. I am just so passionate. I always have been. I started working with kids when I was about 13 years old. Didn't know I was going to be a teacher and then got drifted into psychology. So I was actually a guidance counselor for a while and then obviously came back to teaching and administration. But I just love being able to support students and teachers, you know, in this journey that we call education. And I believe that schools should be the greatest place on earth. 
That's awesome. And and with your experience, you have held so many different positions. I think it's just clear that you're looking to make sure everyone gets the best education that they possibly can. In all those areas, one of the things I'm wondering is, seeing that you have a great group of examples to pull from, what do you think your best accomplishment is in education? Well, for me, it's definitely creating a positive school culture. You know, it's important to me. It seems to come easy to me. I'm just kind of that happy-go-lucky person that's going to (laughs) walk around and high-five you and, you know, um, sing your praises. And, you know, I just, I want a school, all schools should be a place where kids are trying to get in every day, not getting out. You know, we want them knocking on those doors. And, you know, I think just building that positive relationship with students, staff, families. You know, I had that a lot at uh, my one of my most recent schools at, at St. Anna's. And you also can set those high expectations, you know, so we're setting high expectations for learning while we're also having fun. Yeah, a lot of a lot of that comes from, I mean, once you have fun and people say you learn best when you have fun, but, you know, a lot of that having fun builds trust. I mean, if you're in the mix with people and then those expectations can be there and people that you people know that you're going to be supporting them. When we had talked in the pre-chat, you had you had gone on about March Madness tournament of books and you also talked about Genius Day. And I think those two things deal a lot with engagement, but they can also have high expectations. Do you have any any um, examples or stories about how that all plays together? Yeah, I mean, so March Madness, you know, we're kind of in the throes of that now, but I'm going to I'm gonna defer people to either listen to my podcast or look at my blog post for that. Because I really want to talk about Genius Day. I just love Genius Day. And it's, you know, again, I get these ideas from being a connected educator and you just make them their, your own. And, you know, went to staff and talked about this. And, you know, we did it on an early release day in, you know, January. We can get the, those doldrums in January. And each, and I say staff member, we included our cafeteria staff, our custodian, our nurse, we included everybody at the school. And they got to decide something that they were passionate about that they wanted to teach to the kids. So they got to choose, you know, anything, you know, that they wanted to teach. And then all of our students K to eight got to sign up for a session. We had a lot of sessions that had kindergartners learning right alongside our eighth graders. It was just amazing. I have to tell you, you know, I had this little guy in, uh, he's a first grader. And, you know, that kid that can't sit still, you know, wants to know what everybody else is doing. You know, he, he's such a love, but he's a busy guy. And he decided he wanted to work with our um, administrative assistant on tying pillows, you know, so you get up the felt material and he's going to do that. And he just, the, the dedication and the concentration, and he was an amazing tire. There were kids older than him that couldn't tie a knot. And he spent that whole time just so focused. And then he would help other students. And he would not put that pillow down the rest of the day. Like when that activity was over. And just to talk about sort of that community that we built at the school. A few days later, the secretary, she brought in some um, matching remnant material. And he stayed in at recess and created a blanket with it you know, to go with his pillow because it just meant so much to him. And I think staff got to see a different side of him. And let me share one more example from Genius Day. Again, I love, just love having this day. So we have our eighth grade athlete. He did not choose to go play pickleball. He did not go choose to play knockout. He decided he was going to do cookie decorating. And yeah, I mean, it's so neat, you know, and kids, that's the other thing about building the sense of community that kids, and you talked about that trust, Chris, they felt like they could choose anything and, and it would be okay. And I was walking down, taking pictures, of course, had my camera with me. And he comes over to me and he's like, Mrs. French, do you want to see the cookies I decorated? He was so proud. Like there were these dipped galaxy cookies. They were so fancy. But 
to me, that's just one of those days where kids were allowed to just be who they were. Like they had a lot of choice, you know, um, they got to, you know, decide what they want to do, but also staff, staff got to shine, you know, our custodian, he was making gingerbread cookies with the kids, you know, <laughs> from the dough to cut them out like gingerbread. Um, oh, from scratch, huh? From scratch. That's it awesome. Was, yeah. So um, it's just one of those things. And so it's just one example of the way you can build that school, positive school culture and climate. You know, I'm so glad you said the idea of community. And it's so powerful that you said people were able to shine because oftentimes I'm talking about supporting, engaging, and empowering. And so how leaders get that to happen. And I think I I wouldn't want to pass over this, this perfect nugget that I think is going to come out here. So teachers doing something that they like doing, how did you get them all engaged to set everything down for a day and hold this genius day? Because that's a high level of engagement. So were there any steps you took? I mean, obviously, you have to have that community and that culture built. But was could you remember going through any process or doing anything that another leader might be able to learn from? I think it's first you have to lay that foundational work, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the teachers saw the value in it. They didn't see that it was time that was going to be taken away from other things they were they were going to be doing. So they the connections that we were able, you know, being a small school to K to eight, we've one at each grade level, you know, knowing that they were going to be able to see other kids or teach them other skills, they got on board pretty quickly. And we had a lot of support at our schools. So, you know, just like with those tie pillows, we had someone that donated, you know, funds that would help some of the activities that needed those. You know, our fourth grade teacher, she did wire sculpting. We had percussion, like it, you know, and it was just amazing, you know, and I think because they were getting the opportunity to participate and share something they loved as well was was easy. So we didn't need a, a big process to get there. I proposed the idea and, and the staff jumped on it. It was great. You know, the more organizing came from choosing your sessions, how people are going to sign up, how to know when a session's full and a student has to get bumped to another session. No, but you know what? That's that's the support part, right? When the leader steps back and lets people really run with it and that, that empowerment piece where they get excited about it and they jump on it, by all means, do that. As leaders, we'll figure out the back end exactly. and make sure it happens. I mean, when you get that kind of fire behind it, that's a great story. What I'm what I'm interested in, though, is because it happens sometime to us, is the flip side of that coin. So. Can you think of a time where you didn't do well as a leader or in any one of your positions and what maybe would have made it go easier for you or kept you out of not doing well in the first place? I think what's tough is when, so like coming into a newer position and not always knowing sort of the culture, procedures, things at a school. And so for me, I am very passionate. It does come through in a lot of what I do. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And I think for me, making sure I don't go too fast. Like, you know, that whole, sometimes you got to go slow to go fast. And, you know, I have some really strong values about things that I believe should be happening, but I had to realize that I couldn't instill those values on a staff before getting to know them and know their values and, and how we could work together to do that. So I really needed to listen more. You know, I, I think that's hard. So, you know, we got rid of this color coded clip chart, but then realizing that the color coded ch- clip chart, say that 10 times fast, yeah. <laughs> was embedded in their culture. And so that was like a huge mistake of mine because I didn't, I just saw it as a, a negative behavior chart and they did not. Oh. So being able to come in and really understand that more was a misstep for sure. Yeah. So just the idea of, you know, and that comes down to the idea of 
taking the time and learning as much as you can about the people that you're serving. Because there are those little things that we run into. I mean, I've, I've run into plenty of those where it's something small and you're like, why are we even doing this? Um, only to find out that, whoa, Chris, maybe you should have stopped and found out a little more before you tried to make a change. But, um, you know, that's, that's so powerful as far as the idea of listening. And we talk about active listening a lot, but a lot of times things that we see in front of us have much deeper meaning to those that are around us than we often realize. And it's that perspective taking piece. So that's great. And I'm glad you came through that with the color-coded clip chart. I think I nailed it the first time. I'm not sure though. Good job. (laughs) But But, um, that kind of builds right into the idea of, because listening is so important, what are some of the key things you think a leader can do to support and engage and empower their teachers? Well, definitely listen. I definitely become more of a listening leader. I recommend the book um, Listening Leader by Shane Safier for everybody. I have it on Audible and in hard copy. But I think you have to, you have to support your teachers and not tell them where they should be going. You know, so, you know, it's being the, um, the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. You know, how can I support them? How can I coach them? And I just, I, I want them to know, I just want to see them get 1% better every day. You know, we're not perfect, but we should be striving to be better tomorrow than we are today. And how can I give them those opportunities, you know, to shine and lead? You know, I love to be able to say yes, you know, and staff come to me or students come to me, you know, you want to, you want to say yes, you know, you want to create that culture of, of risk-taking and support. You know, it's it, the idea of saying yes, I, big time. I believe in the idea of leading with yes, but the most difficult thing I find of of empowering people or or giving that over to other people to do it. We have to be willing to accept that it might not be done the way we want it done. <laughs> You're talking my language, <laughs> right? Right. So it's. I mean, it's great when we empower someone. We say, "Yeah, that's awesome. Run with it." And then whatever happens when it comes back, and I mean, obviously, if something's completely wrong, then you know we have to take steps to to mediate that. But if something's done the way somebody else would do it, we have to step back and say, well, okay, it's done. And they, and then support that person through it. Because if we then go as leaders, if we then go and say, no, 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 do it this way, we've ruined the whole thing that we've just created as far as that trust piece and that empowerment piece, because they're definitely not going to take something to run with it again if we go correcting it. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's hard when you're the type of personality that wants your hands in everything and not because you don't think somebody else can do it well. It's just, you know, and so I think being able to say yes and be like, I'm here if you need anything, you know, um, you know, let them go. That would happen a lot with the, even the kids, you know, at St. Anna's, they had some great ideas and they would come to me, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? And, you know, nine times out of 10, I would say yes. Sometimes it would be come see me next week because I would have to process <laughs> the idea that yeah. they had, you know, or get a little guidance. But, you know, you never want to say no. You know, you want you, you want to create that culture of trust, empowerment for both students and teachers. Yeah. You know, one of the places I find that the hardest in, and I, I use it as a gauge as to how well I'm doing empowering those around me. And I was just talking about this the other day to somebody, to one somebody on the leadership team, actually. And I said, you know, every decision I have to make during the course of a day should be a difficult decision for me to make. Because if it's not a difficult decision for me to make, then somebody else should have been able to come to a decision before me, before it got to me. And while that's kind of mentally tiring when you get these decisions that are not very fun to make, it's important to me to realize that people in other positions around me have the confidence or have the trust that I believe in them and trust them, that they'll make those decisions on their own. 
And I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I agree because the, well, the goal is for us to work ourselves out of a job so that right. other people can, you know, do it and not having to go to us to make the decision or tell them what they're doing. You know, we want to empower teachers so that they know, you know, I want them to be able to be in their classroom and be like, Oh, Bobby would definitely say yes to this. I can try this with my kids. Like, that's what we want. Like, we need that in the future of education. If everyone's waiting for permission to do something, nothing's going to get done. Right. And that's that was the conversation I was having about everybody in education, how it's kind of an odd place that we are where everyone in education is waiting for the way things are supposed to be done instead of making things happen the way they want them to want them to happen. And so that's that's a very real thing that happens. You know. I was so happy the other day because we have winter school at my school, this thing that we've instituted for helping students that are failing after the first semester. And the whole idea of it organically progressing within a school, this is the second school I've done it in, is that it it builds relationships between the teachers and the students to where they make kind of deals with each other where, you know, the teacher says to the kid, look, if you come after so many days and get help, then we'll make sure you get through. And one of the counselors who is one of the coordinators of the program called a teacher to get the stuff that the kid would need to do. And the teacher said to the counselor, hey, you know, Chris just owes a couple papers. Can they just do these and we'll just handle it on our own? And she could say, because she knew I trusted her, yeah, fly with it. I'll run it by Chris and I know he'll say yes, but go. So she was completely comfortable making that decision. And then she came and told me, she said, Chris, I made this decision. And I said, oh, that's great. And then she, you know, left my office and I did like a fist pump in the air that <laughs> that she made the decision without me. So um. well, and I've had teachers too, you know, the days that you're out of the building and, you know, and, and it was again, small schools. So having teacher leaders and I come back and they're like, all right, this happened. This is, you may not have made the same decision. This is what I made. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the best decision. That's great. And even if it's not the decision I would make, they made a great decision and it worked out well, you know? And, and so again, you want to support those sort of things. So your teachers next time feel more comfortable and they're going to, they're going to take that risk and make those decisions again. And it makes them feel like they're vested more in the school when they can have a say in things. Right. How valuable is it for us to look at something and say, hey, I had a part in that, you know, Absolutely. when we back. So, yeah. hey, uh, you know, and we're talking about something very powerful in leadership and in any role, really, and that's reflecting. But uh, what I want to do is I want to stop here real quick, and I just want to let uh, some of the sponsors for this show have a few words and then come right back and we'll, we'll talk more about reflecting a little bit. Today's podcast is sponsored by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the podcast that inspired me to start this one. Since 2015, the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast has released hundreds of episodes with millions of downloads. Subscribe and listen each week to great conversations on the topic of school leadership. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Bobby and we're we're talking about reflecting and the importance for people to reflect on their practice. So one of the things I definitely want to talk to you about is for, for new teachers or leaders or anybody for that matter, 
um, who want to spend some reflective time on their own practice. What are some important questions or practices that you'd recommend to them? First, I recommend that everyone start doing a daily habit of reflection. You know, I think it's it's important to know, you know, kind of how things are going. Be intentional about knowing about your day and what went well, what didn't well, what choices you made. So, you know, some suggestions I have is, you know, just keep sort of a reflection journal. Ask yourself those kind of questions. Did did my lesson, did my decisions, did my day go the way that I wanted it to? If not, what am I going to do differently each day? You know, I don't think we expect teachers to have perfect lessons every day. You know, so I think there's times that we're going to be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that was a big mistake. Um, my first attempt in learning at that. So let's do something different. And you know, even in there, you know, add a uh, what I want or need to learn more about, you know, so sometimes you're like, okay, so next time I need to add, you know, manipulatives or next time I need to do this or as an administrator, you know, I used to always premise sometimes when I would share information with staff, I'm like, I'm making the best decision I can at the time with the information that I have, I could walk out of the room and five minutes later, you have different information. Um, and this was pre-COVID. But, you know, right. we all know what it's like to see it now. Right. This is years ago. <laughs> but I think it's important, no matter what works for you, you know, I do some um, on paper, you know, and sometimes it might just be a, a sticky note, you know, to remind me to reflect on something at the end of the day, you know, an actual reflection journal, do it digitally. I've also started using Voxer. So Voxer really? is like a walkie-talkie app, but I can leave myself voice messages. And so with my commute home, it's easy to press the button. And I don't know if you know, I like to talk so I can easily <laughs> talk and record myself, you know, about my reflection. And sometimes I may not even have to go back and listen to that voice memo, but just the act of saying the reflection from my day out loud to help process and think about things I want to do differently the next day, I think is, is really helpful in that intentionality of it all. That is absolutely brilliant. Not the intentionality piece, although that's very brilliant too, but... <laughs> The Voxer thing. So I use Voxer for my walkthroughs and I never thought of using it as a reflection tool because, you know, you're in the car and, and you're driving home. I never, so what else am I going to do, right? <laughs> well, hopefully pay attention to the road, but that's, that is such a good tool to, to click on Voxer and just record your own voice. And then you can listen to it whenever you get that out and you can think to yourself, and then you have that digital record of it which is which is great. I mean you you don't get better than that. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I reflection is so important that to get in the habit of that, I can't express how important that is. And I I I reflect in the morning and I reflect in the in the evening more so every morning rather than every evening, which I have to get better at. But for a while I stopped reflecting just because you know, oh life gets busy. We've we've got an excuse for everything. But I stopped reflecting and and boy didn't I notice a difference. I, I didn't feel as if I was improving as much as I could to where it was tangible, which was surprising to me. Because you think of, you know, to go back to your 1% comment, 1%, you don't really feel a lot until it builds up. But right away, I could tell after a few days, I just didn't feel like I was being as thorough in my practice as I could be. So that's that's something that's really important. And I think the nice thing about Voxer is, you know, if any of your listeners are like me, I do all that thinking in the shower and in the car you know, the two places you usually don't have a tool to write down any notes and things are coming to you. And that's why I did that. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, if there's takeaways, I'll pause the podcast and go to Voxer and leave myself a voice message, you know, again, safe driving. But I think, you know, that is a lot of time as educators, you know, you're leaving school and now you're starting to decompress. Now the thoughts from the day are sinking in and, you know, all of right. that. So it, to me, it's a great time to kind of reflect and go back over the day. And I think it's important for all of us, you know, give yourself kudos for the things that went really well 
And for the things that maybe didn't go so well, just be like, all right, well, what am I going to do next time? Or do I need to reach out to somebody? Do I need to learn something different? You know, so as long as you're trying again, do no better, do better, 1% improvement. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, um, and that's interesting that you do that with podcasts with Voxer because I'm a huge podcast fan and I listen to them. And what I do is I use Keep because then I have Keep open and I just hit the microphone so it voice records, but it does it to text. So then I can copy paste and I could do whatever with it. But yeah, no, that's that's a good tool. I didn't think of I didn't think of using in Voxer to do that either. So I'll have um, to try Keep though. I like the voice to text because I can see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're getting near the end, and one of the important questions I want to ask you is: What do you believe to be the most important piece of advice you would give to teachers or especially leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers? If they had to hang on to something, what would it be? Well, I think be connected, you know, mm-hmm. again, from a break from the bio, you know, I, I pride myself on being a connected educator. When we connect with others, you know, we can make them better. We can become better ourselves. It also gives you that opportunity, you know, to grow, opportunities to lead, you know, to take a risk, to try something. You know, I didn't come up with March Madness Tournament Books and Genius Day on my own. It's being a connected educator that gives me these different ideas. And then I can put the, uh, you know, the spin or the twist on mine. Shay and Pav do a podcast called The Staff Room Podcast. I'm not going to remember the title of the book. And they mentioned the title of a book and this whole idea of the gift economy. You know, so I take an an idea, I make it mine and I share it. Well, someone else then takes that idea and makes it theirs. You know, so just like your listeners now in this podcast, something they're going to take and they're going to put their spin on it. You know, I feel like I've been able to contribute to that. And, And so there's this, you know, continual kind of gift economy that we're working towards. And I have found that educators want to share. They want to help. They want to support. So whether you're a leader, whether you're a teacher, if you want to connect with others, there's just so many people and resources out there to help you. No, absolutely. And you know, it's funny that you said that teachers want to give. And I think just anybody in the educational system wants to give because it's there's it's kind of like a, a sisterhood, if you will, where we're all in this together, you know, and we've we've got to have everybody each other's back and we have to help each other because we know what that works like. We've walked in each other's shoes. And so the idea of supporting them, but one of the things that that brings to to mind is the idea of creating content. And I guess, how do we get teachers to be more content creators than just consumers? Because at some point we need all that content out there, right? If if somebody's going to consume it, it's got to be created. But there's something powerful about somebody creating something and putting it out there and realizing that, yeah, this is valuable to people. I think... The first thing is, is the uh, teachers, leaders, they need to know that what they're doing or the ideas they have to share are worth sharing. You know, you talked about that value. You know, too many people think who would, who would want to hear from me? Who would want to know what I'm doing in my classroom? You know, and there's so many ways to share content these days. You know, just simply with one, it could just be a post somewhere. It could be an actual blog post to start creating a blog. You could start a podcast. Um, you know, my message everybody's just start. It's easy. Download the Anchor app. Just do it. You know, you can present, present at a local conference. There's so many virtual opportunities now, maybe even in your own district. Maybe, you know, sometimes you can, you know, teachers have so many good things to, to offer. And I used to have teachers present things that they were trying out in their classrooms to other teachers, you know, because then you have an expert in the building. You know, if you're a leader, think about doing an unconference you know, or ed camp type staff meeting or PD. So teachers can, you know, practice sharing the good things that they're doing, you know, with others. You know, there, there's so many opportunities like that. That's so 
that's so powerful. And you know, it's it's up to the leaders. It's the leader's responsibility really to do those unconference things at their buildings. And it's it's something that can be done. Like you talk about the Genius Day. Last year, we held our own in-house PD conference for our teachers by our teachers, where they got they heard from other teachers what they were interested in, and then they told me what they'd be willing to present. And of course, now that there's the back end again, I built a schedule of different length periods or workshops put them all together so that we could have three different sessions that offered four different workshops in each session that teachers then chose to go to. And one was the engagement. People were so excited and bought into this idea of going to see it. But, but two, the learning that went on was fantastic. And not just, not just learning like I know how to hook up my um, portable device to my whiteboard and be able to ship notes off to kids that miss it because I'm writing the notes on a board that I can then transfer. Not nuts and bolts, stuff like that necessarily, but the perceptions that people had changed so much. We had our phys ed department teach a workshop on the importance of movement during the day and put the, <laughs> put the staff members through some exercises. And they all came out, they, they all participated and they came out and they were sweaty. And, but they said that was one of the best sessions they'd been to because they never realized how much that helps reset somebody for the day, which then goes towards the whole idea of recess and, and you know, letting students move. So... Um, and it's it's just powerful. I've helped do that in um, a couple of districts now, you know, and, you know, talk about, you know, the back end organizing pre-K to 12 of all different <laughs> content areas and, you know, what they want to choose. But it's some of the best PD that they've had. And you're building the capacity of your own staff. You're giving them an opportunity to lead. And then you also know who within your own school or district is an expert that you can go to. So the learning doesn't stop. You know, the presenter doesn't learn the building. And now you have questions that you, you know, you want to take it, you know, another step forward. So then you can easily check with that teacher to say, hey, you remember when you presented about this? I tried this, but this, you know, so you're building those experts in the building. And that gives these teachers a, a chance to get their feet wet with trying to share their content that eventually hopefully they can become content creators because we, we need more. You know, there, there are so many consumers out there and teachers are doing great things, you know, so they need to get, and if they're not on Twitter, the first thing you need to do, go get a Twitter username, <laughs> put it out there, follow other teachers and share what you're doing and it will come back to you in that gift economy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, talking about content creation, there's a couple things I do want to wrap this show up with. But one of the first things is because it was it was inspiring to me to hear your podcast. So do everyone a favor, not just me. But when I heard your first podcast episode about, you know, just start, do everyone that's listening to this show a favor and give a shout out to your podcast. Let's hear a little bit about what your podcast is about and, and how we listen to it. Thanks, Chris. So my podcast is called The Busy Principal. And I was given the advice to just start. So I just started. I downloaded the Anchor app. And um, my sh what's great about my podcast right now is it's just you get the words and wisdom of Bobby French. They are less than, say, 12 minutes. So if you have a short commute, it's really easy to listen to them. And it's easy to binge all 10 episodes. Episode 10 dropped this week. So there'll be more to come. But it's whatever's going on. You know, what we talk about habits and, you know, some of this idea of just starting as well as, you know, how to launch a March Madness or, you know, doing your one word. So just all kinds of things that will help all educators, not necessarily just principals. Yeah, no, it's, it is definitely all good stuff. And I can't recommend people listen to it enough. Like you said, it's, it's, um, I, I don't want to say bite size because sometimes people think negative, but it's, it's definitely a bite size in a positive way type of show that really kind of turns your brain over and starts getting you to think about certain things and they're, and they're timely things. So there's, um, a lot of authenticity to it and you do a good job with it. But, um, 
while we're talking about promoting things, you have a book promotion you want to do. So I talk do. Talk to me about that. We've got a contest, everybody. So get ready. We do. So you want to get all this information. So um, <laughs> a good friend of mine, Lindsay Titus, just published a book. I wish I was publishing a book to share with your, your listeners. But because we were talking about reflection, and I think reflection is so important, I'd love to give away a copy of Lindsay's book. Um, it's the Define University 30-Day Journal, Igniting the Passion for Your Life. It includes lots of daily inspiration, your intentional reflections, place for gratitude. So I think that it would be amazing to have one of your lucky listeners get this journal. That would be awesome. I'm excited about it. I, you know, for a contest, why don't we think about having um, one of the people listening to this tweet out because right, if you're not connected, you got to get on Twitter and don't leave your profile picture as an egg, put anything up there, whether it's a cartoon, an icon, something. But um, so get out there on Twitter and tag Bobby French tag Lindsay Titus, which is L-T-I-T-U-S-828, and explain to us why you would want the journal. Like, why is it valuable to you? Maybe what you would do with it. But whoever gives us the best reason as to why, guess what? You get a free journal and you don't get much better than that. So you have to tag Lindsay, you have to tag Bobby, you have to tag me. And I'm also going to ask that you use the hashtag for this show, which is hashtag C2Lead. Hashtag C2Lead. So do that by May 15th and we'll pick somebody and voila, just like magic or the magic that Amazon is, a book will show up to where it needs to be. Absolutely. And all you people that are going to be new to Twitter and signing up, it'll show you how to put the at sign and put people's handles to tag them as well as the power of the hashtag. And you know what? I will also put this information in the show notes as well. So um, you can you can check it out there. Now, you've said a lot of good things, Bobby. You've given some people a lot of good things to think about, and you've given them some good strategies. So if they want to check you out more, either on your podcast, your website, or you know, catch up with you on Twitter or anything else, what's the best way to get a hold of you? So I'm pretty easy. I'm at Bobby French, B-O-B-B-I-E, French, on all the socials. So I'm pretty active on Twitter. I also run a Facebook page and a private Facebook group called Lead, Learn, Hope. And then my new website is um, bobbyfrench.com. So yeah, so it's pretty easy to find me. I love to connect. If you're new to Twitter, tag me and say you signed up because of this podcast and I will get you hooked up with a whole bunch of other educators. Can't beat that deal. So I thank you, Bobby. Uh, Really, this has been a pleasure talking to you. I could always talk to you for hours on end. So thank you very much for being on the show. I agree, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, 
check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.